Morning, Redeemer. Hey, we are glad uh, to be back with you this morning. want to wish um, our moms a happy Mother's Day. We know this is probably a, maybe the strangest Mother's Day many of you have had, um, and yet um, our moms are still worth celebrating. Glad to be able to do that, um, to say thank you for um, the love and encouragement support that you have given. I mean, we know that today there are others who long to be moms, um, that there are those today who, who really today is a painful day, um, either due to loss or remembering or mourning. And so I'm just grateful that Jesus is with us, that he is for us, um, that he knows our hearts and our, the desires of our heart. And so whether today is a day of celebration and of joy, whether today is, is a little more painful, um, that he is faithful to minister to us through his word and through his spirit, um, would we be gracious um, to, to celebrate with those and also to, to mourn with those um, and know that days like today um, have a very wide range of emotion. Um, and, then, and in church, I just want to remind us, um, as we are in such a bizarre season, that the mission hasn't changed, right? Even if our circumstances have changed, even if we're not gathering on Sunday mornings um, at, at the Redeemer building, um, even if... Uh, if our weeks look like maybe a little more at home or a little more isolated, that the mission hasn't changed, that we are to make much of Jesus for his glory and for the good of those around us, for them to, to see that he is worth it, that he is a treasure, um, and to give him the glory and honor that he so richly deserves. And so would we not um, buy into the lie that we have to wait for things to get back to normal, um, to really be faithful believers, um, trusting and obeying Jesus, that, that it looks different right now, um, and yet the, the mission hasn't changed. And regardless of what is coming for us in the future, the mission doesn't change, that we simply continue to pursue him um, and to love those around us for his glory, regardless of what our circumstances look like. Um, so we're going to be back in the book of Proverbs this morning. And, and you know, typically here at Redeemer, what we're doing is we're, we're, t- we're teaching through a book. I um, mean, right, we're looking at it kind of verse by verse, chapter by chapter as we work over the course of weeks or months through a book of Scripture. And yet, Proverbs is set up a little different. It's not really made to be read verse by verse. It is, it's, it's really meant to be read um, in kind of these short, pithy statements, these terse statements. And so what we've done is we have taken topics that Proverbs teach on and looked at um, selected, isolated Proverbs on that topic. Um, and so we've looked at things like uh, work ethic and money We've looked at emotions and friendships and wisdom, and this morning we're going to be looking at the topic of decision-making. All right, so I'm not sure about you, but with decision-making, some of you are going, hey, I love making decisions, I love being in control, Um, it's easy, it's comfortable for me. Others of you are thinking, "Um, actually, I hate decision-making, I I always feel like I'm going to make a mistake or I'm going to have some regret in it. Um, and so you're even maybe a little bit paralyzed um, with something small like deciding where to go out to eat. Um, I would imagine there's some elbows being thrown or some sideways looks in, in your living room right now, potentially, if that's a struggle that you have. Um, but we know that decision-making can cause anxiety, that it can tie our stomach in knots, um, that it, it, it can just be difficult. Um, some of you may actually be in a place right now where you are begging God for clarity on something. Um, because you're, there's a decision looming, and you're asking for help. Um, some of you, really right now, because there's been so much change over the last uh, six or eight weeks, 
You may just have some decision-making fatigue um, from all the decisions that you've had to make on the fly. Um, if I'm honest, that's kind of where I'm at, um, where I feel a little bit fatigued just from having to make um, so many calls here recently. Um, and, and, and so I, just, I know decision-making is one of those things that, that hits all of us. Um, and so let's look at what Proverbs and what Scripture has to say on this topic this morning as we, as we move forward. Um, the first is this. I, I want us just to read um, quickly from Proverbs 16, uh, verse 25. It says this, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. All right, so not the most um, encouraging proverb to begin with, right? But there's a way that seems right to a man, right to a person, but in the end, the, the, the path actually leads to death. And so I think the, where we need to start is just this um, understanding that decision-making is difficult, and it's difficult because we live in a fallen, broken world, um, a world that has rebelled from God, and because of that, um, we have an enemy who's prowling around looking to deceive and to destroy us, um, that we can become enslaved to things that don't honor or please God. Um, and so, yes, our temperaments and, and our emotions and our personalities play into this, whether your decisions seem easy or not. Um, our past experiences and, and, and maybe baggage from our families or um, past bad decisions can affect us. But part of the difficulty is, is that we know that there are wrong decisions, and we don't want to look like a fool. We don't want to be embarrassed. We don't want to fail, and we don't want to, we don't want to follow something that might lead us into death. And so we're trying to navigate this fallen, broken world with, with decisions um, ever before us. The fact is, is we're making decisions all day long, um, most of them without thinking about it. And then we have those big ones, right, those big life decisions as we consider moves and jobs, as we consider relationships, as we consider financial decisions, um, as, as we consider homes, um, things like that, that, that are these big things that we really don't want to screw up. And so because we know it's difficult, um, because there can be some fear of, of failure in this, I think for some of us it just cripples us. It cripples us. It, it paralyzes us. And for others, they get so kind of frustrated with the, the fear of that that they actually go more towards indifference. And, and they're quicker to say, whatever, it doesn't matter. If I make a mistake, I make a mistake. And we know that both of those personality types um, are out there and, and really everything in between. And so what I want us to do um, is we kind of come to grips with the fact that decision-making is difficult in a broken and fallen world, um, is that we would look at um, as we begin, what is it that we actually believe about God's character? And I want to start this with a story. Um, as we, as we kind of just look at God's character and what is it that we believe about it. Um, so when Carson was a toddler, um, at this point was our only child, um, I had come home during the workday one afternoon um, and was, had visited with Carmen and Carson. And at that point, um, I needed to get back to work and I had, was leaving and they saw me head out and get into my truck. And as I'm in my truck, I remember I left um, some paperwork on the kitchen table. And so I immediately get back up, run into the house to grab this paperwork, um, and, and went back to the bedroom to grab something. And Carmen and Carson were in the basement, and so were unaware that I was back in the house, and I hear them bringing laundry up and come into the bedroom. And again, uh, I don't know why this was a thought that ran through my head, 
but I just stepped behind the bedroom door and thought, I'm going to jump out and scare Carmen. Um, she has no idea I'm in the house. This is going to be hilarious. Um, some of you um, are thinking less of me already, um, as you're not even sure where this story is going. And so I'm, I'm hiding behind the door, and Carmen carries the laundry in. Um, as far as she knows, her and Carson are the only people in the house, and she lays it on the bed, and, and she's beginning to fold it. And as I'm standing there watching her, um, this story sounds creepier as I'm saying it out loud, um, I can't decide what to do, because I don't want to terrify her, but I, I'm finding this humorous, and I let out kind of an involuntary chuckle that probably sounded far scarier than I meant for it to, um, and for her, hearing a man laugh, thinking there's no man in the house, um, she, you know, kind of comes unglued. I'm fortunate I did not get shot. Um, definitely scared her, didn't really get to, to drive it like I had wanted to, and, and so here's why I tell that story, um, and I'm glad I don't have your disapproving looks um, back at me at the moment. This is maybe the first time I'm glad I'm on camera, um, is this, is I think some of us kind of believe that's what God is like, that he's lurking, watching our decisions, looking to jump out and to scare us, looking to startle us, hiding from us, um, and looking to get us the moment we make a wrong call, the, the moment we make a wrong decision, he's looking to just to get us. And yet, this is not the character of God at all. And then I think for some of you, as you're thinking about decisions, here's, here's maybe more what you think of the character of God, is that, that you should get um, a sneak peek, a preview of what's coming, and so, because life should be easy, and it should be comfortable, and I should know what's happening and when it's coming, and I should be able to avoid hard things and only get good things. And something like COVID comes along that we didn't see coming, and we go, well, wait a second, like, I belong to God. Why has he not shared with me this so that I could have made a better financial decision or I could have prepared in another manner? And right, and so we kind of hold these two false views of God. One, that we think he's always out to get us. Or two, that we should avoid any trouble that the world has because we belong to him. And yet, what did Jesus tell his disciples in John? He says, like, look, you're going to have trouble in the world. You're going to, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Right? The, the, these kind of twin truths are both there, is that there will be trouble on this side of heaven, but that Jesus has won, he's overcome it, and that he's with us. He hasn't left us, he hasn't forsaken us. So, so church, um, this is why the resurrection matters. It's not just that Jesus lived this perfect life on our behalf to rescue us from our sins. He didn't just die to satisfy God's wrath. Both of those things are true, but it's that he's alive today. So he's hearing the songs that we sing. He's hearing the prayers that we pray. Um, he's, he's interacting with us through his spirit. Um, he's given us his word. He is moving and working in the world still because he is alive. And so we need his life, his death, and his resurrection. And so what I want us to do is read now um, from Proverbs 2, right, to begin to see, okay, so what is the character of of God in decision-making. And if we begin in Proverbs 2, uh, verse 6, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity in every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. 
understanding will guard you. Right, and so we see that, that God actually is the fountain of wisdom, that wisdom is, is found in him, and Jesus is the embodiment of it. And so we turn to God for wisdom in decision-making, right? That he's not looking to hide it from us. He's not looking to jump out and scare us, um, that he is looking to light the path before us, but that we don't get the promise of every single thing that we're going to get to know it in the future, right? That he is calling us to walk with him and to trust him and to turn to him. And so if we just saw a clear path before us, we would run along ahead without him, right? You think about, you see this in any situation with a toddler, right? If they see a clear path, if they see something they want, they take off leaving mom and dad alone behind them, right? Missing the relationship there. That God is not calling us to run ahead without him, but to walk with him, trusting him, Um, That whether there is trouble or whether there is a clear path, that he is with us, that he is for us, that he has not forsaken us, and that we can rest in and trust him, that we are going to get safely to home, right? That we are secure in him, and he is going to take us exactly where he would have us. He's going to take us um, securely to with him forever. Listen to Job 32, verse 8. But it, is the, but it is the spirit in man, the breath of the Almighty, that makes him understand. Right? Just this reminder that it's God himself who, who kind of breathes um, understanding, wisdom in us. Um, that we need to recognize and turn to him for that. So this kind of second thought of life should be easy, comfortable, um, as, as Americans, um, really a word that we would use is safe. That we kind of feel like we should get to have um, 80, 85, 90 years and, and die in our sleep without um, sickness or disease or hurt or pain, that life should be easy and comfortable. Um, I just want to push back on that a little bit, right? That, that God is going to lead us into making decisions often that actually won't look safe and may not lead to safety, but that this place isn't our home, right? That we are meant to be with him forever. Um, that's where we're going to be for those who trust and follow and treasure Jesus. And so this life is not about putting down as deep of roots as possible um, and, and getting um, the longest, easiest, most comfortable life. It is. We have a job right now. We are on mission to make much of Jesus. And so it's why he would call folks to dangerous places in the world to share um, the message of the gospel, meaning that they might get sick and die, that they might face um, uh, persecution, um, that they might be martyred and, and, and killed for their faith, right? Like that no one looked at Carmen and I when we said, hey, I feel like God is kind of leading us to make the decision to move to Yemen. And people weren't applauding that going, hey, that's the safest thing we can imagine for you. They, they knew that it was dangerous, and yet that didn't mean it wasn't from God and that the decision was wrong. And so we need to understand that God is constantly at work, and the things that he is leading and calling us to um, are for our good. Are they are to shape us and to make us look more like Jesus, but they are not necessarily safe or comfortable or easy. Um, that there will be a day where we will stand around the throne room of grace, right? We will make much of Jesus, and, and death will be no more, and sin will be no more, and sickness will be no more, and every tear will be wiped away from every face, but that's not yet today. And so it's why we don't have to fear 
pain and suffering and death because He is with us. Um, it doesn't mean we have to run to them and love them and like them, but that we can trust um, our sovereign God who is good and who is with us and who is going to turn everything to good for, for us and in, on our behalf. And so the question is this, is, is do we trust Him? Right? Like really the question in our decisions is, is do we trust Him? And I think sometimes we, we find that we, we do, and other times we, we struggle with it, and, and maybe sometimes we look for signs, right? We're looking for something to affirm, say, okay, that's from God to affirm what I think He wants, and if things don't go our way, if the decision doesn't go right, we rail and say, but God, I was so sure that this, this sign, this thing that I saw um, in nature, or this thing that I heard on the radio, or this thing that I saw in my life, that that meant it was from you. Right? Instead of just leaning in and saying, but do we trust him that he will see us home? Church, for some of you this morning, you, you're not sure that you actually trust Jesus at all. You're not sure that he is who he has claimed to be. Um, you're not sure that his life um, on your behalf, that his death on your behalf and his resurrection are sufficient. Right? There's a decision there of trusting him of saying, Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are, and that I can follow you, right? That there's, there's, a, there's an action involved of not just knowing the right things, but of following him through this life, right? That there's a decision of saying, I trust you. And then he says in John that like, my sheep hear my voice, that they know me, they recognize me, and they follow me. That if you are hearing God call you, if you're hearing him woo you, if you're hearing him say, um, I want you, that we would trust him and decide to follow and obey him as he awakens our hearts to the truth and the beauty of who he is, that he is the treasure of the universe, that he is everything, I mean, that we would respond to that. The second thing is this. It's not just that we need to look at the character of God and ask, do we trust him? The second is um, I think often we want some rules, right? Like we want there to now be in the sermon a, a list of four or five simple, easy rules of here's how you now make a decision. Um, and, and yet that's not how things work, right? Wisdom is, is hard fought, and it's worth it, but there is effort and energy that are going to be expended in finding it. Um, ultimately, what we're going to see today is this, this concept of decision-making is simple. It's just not easy, right? It's not a hard concept of trusting God, of, of pursuing Him in Scripture, but it's just not easy, because of the complexity of life, um, because of, of our, our sin and our fallen nature, of our desire to trust ourselves over God, to want to be in control and attempt to wrestle the will away from Him. And so first is just this. I, wanna, I just want to kind of bullet point a few things real quick. Um, if there is a command in Scripture, we obey it. If there is a sin uh, mentioned that we should not um, commit, then we need to obey that. And so if in our decisions there's a clear-cut command in Scripture, that helps make the decision, right? If there is sin involved in our decision-making and we are aware of that in Scripture, then that is clear-cut in our decision-making. Um, we need to consider the effect that it has on others. Like what, what exactly um, will this decision do, not just for me, but for those around me, right? It's why we need wisdom. I want to read to you um, from Proverbs 27, verse 12. 
about considering not just today, but the future, right? Proverbs 27, 12. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. Right? It's saying, listen, the prudent, the wise, they, they can see and they, and they make provisions for it while the simple just run into, and, into danger. In James 4, we looked at this a couple weeks ago, verses 13 through 17, it says, we should say, if God wills, if God wills, we'll go into town and we'll do this, we'll make a profit, we'll do these things if God wills. And so on our decision making, we need to be able to look at how it affects those around us, but also what is the impact this has on our future and asking the question, okay, what is, like, does God will this? Um, we need to, to trust that that he may have something at play that we're not yet aware of. And so we're going to do the best with the decision that we have, with the information that we have on hand. Um, but that we consider the future and not just today. A second is this, um, or not a second, but another is this, um, is that we're learning. Proverbs twenty six, eleven. Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Right, this very vivid imagery, right, of the Proverbs, of a dog returning to its vomit and as, as filthy and foul as that is, saying, listen, if we don't learn from our past poor decisions, our mistakes, then we can tend to look like in life a dog who is lapping up its own vomit because we have returned to the same poor decision, the same poor thing over and over again because we're not learning. We need to, to ask for wisdom, right? And, and to put some consideration into our decision making. Proverbs 21, verse 5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty, right? It's just simply saying, hey, slow down for a second, consider what's going on. That if we always are just running um, full long into decisions, often we're going to run into error and, and into mistakes. James 1.5 says that anyone who lacks wisdom can ask the Lord, right? That he will provide wisdom to those who seek and ask for it. Church, I think we need to consider that our decision-making will often look different than the world. That we have a different value system, a different thing that we're, we're treasuring. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 tells us, what's the will of God? It's our sanctification, right? It's, it's us becoming more like Christ. It's us becoming holy. And so we're going to make decisions that often the world might scoff at because we're going to spend our money differently. And we're not always maybe going to take a promotion because of um, it's, it's more money and, and more power. Maybe we are, but maybe not, right? Like that we're going to make decisions about the neighborhood that we live on um, or a place that we're going to move to because of what God is calling us to that is bigger than this world. It's bigger than our bank account. It's bigger than our prestige. It's bigger than the approval of those around us that he is working to sanctify us, to, to, to make his name known um, amongst those that we, he's put us in our jobs, um, in our neighborhoods. And so we're going we're gonna to think differently and make decisions that are different. And so what this means um, is that as you're thinking about jobs, God maybe has wired you specifically that you've known since you were a young kid what it is you wanted to do. But it can also just be that, that if you don't know right now, you can, you can take a job. If it's not a sin in the job, you can take a job that you enjoy, um, that provides for you or for your family, 
Because you are to make much of Jesus in that job, whatever it is. And you're to, to spend your money well, and you are to, to live um, in, a, in a wise manner of, of working for not the boss, but for the glory of God, um, of caring for your coworkers, right? That, that I think sometimes we, we feel paralyzed to saying, I have to make the right call right now. And we can just make decisions um, because we are going to be honoring God wherever we are in whatever job that we have, in whatever relationships that we're around, right? That we are following um, the precepts of Scripture, we're following the commands of Scripture, and then we're loving Jesus wherever He has us. And so we can take a breath and relax a little bit. And then one final one here, and in, in that wisdom is just kind of hard fought, is that we just keep turning to Scripture, right? As we look at Romans 12, 1 and 2, um, as you think about Ephesians 4, which I'm going to turn to in just a moment, there's just this idea of Scripture that, it, that we need our minds renewed. We need to think differently and to understand that sometimes the way we're thinking is off and it's wrong. And so we continue to go to Scripture so that it can do the work of dividing our thoughts and our intentions, um, that it can get to the heart of the matter, that it can root out sin and unbelief, um, that it can give us wisdom that comes only from God so that we think differently, so that we're able to have the peace of God, so that we're able to hear from Him and make decisions that would honor and please Him. Listen to Ephesians uh, 4, beginning in verse 13, or I'm sorry, verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, right, as the pagans do, in the futility of their minds. They're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness, right? That there's this process of sanctification that Paul writes about in 1 Thessalonians 4, that we are becoming more like Christ, that there is a process and it is hard fought and hard won. And now listen, your ability to, to make wise decisions does not make God love you more. It does not make him decide that he is going to rescue and save you we are able to walk in the renewal of our mind, in the shedding of our desires, in the old way, the corrupt way of life, because Jesus has rescued us when we did not deserve it, <laughs> when, we, when we could do nothing for ourselves that he made us his, and now we are walking in a manner worthy of him. I'm striving to look more like Christ in all of our decision makings. And so wisdom is hard fought. It is not following your heart and that everything that you need to make a good decision is within you. These, these are lies that we hear in our culture all the time. Listen to Proverbs 20, verse 9. Who can say, I have made my heart pure and I am clean from sin? The answer being no one, right? That we can't do this. Proverbs 16, 2. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs the Spirit, saying, listen, we can often um, affirm and believe that what we're doing is the right thing, and yet it's God who knows 
whether it is or not. Jeremiah 17, 9 says the heart is deceitful, wicked, right? That it, it's sick and it lies to us. That the things that we need are not found within us. They're found in Jesus. And Jesus has been so gracious as to put his spirit within us, right? But our heart itself is, is with, with, apart from the spirit, apart from Jesus, right, are going to lead us astray. That we need him, not just the things that are within us that are corrupted and broken by this fallen world. And so where I want us to end this morning is this, is we're going to look at one final section. So we've seen we need to consider that what we believe about God's character. We need to understand that the, the fight for decision-making and wisdom is hard fought. It's not a quick and easy thing. Um, and then finally, one, one kind of aspect of practicality that I want us to really lean into is that Scripture is going to call us to make decisions in community, not in isolation. Um, begin in Proverbs 10, verse 17. Whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life. He who rejects reproof leads others astray, right? Saying, listen, if we listen to instruction, we're we're on a path that leads to life. Those who reject it um, are going to actually probably lead others astray. Verse 14 of chapter 11, where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in the abundance of counselors, there is safety. Just this idea that we need multiple people speaking into our life. If you turn over to chapter 12, verse 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, right? He's saying like in his own eyes, he thinks he's doing the right thing. But listen, a wise man listens to advice, right? He's engaging others and letting them speak into his life. Turn over to verse 10 of chapter 13. By insolence comes nothing but strife. But with those who take advice is wisdom. Again, this is just a reminder of those who engage others, who listen, right, that there's wisdom in that. And then chapter 15, verse 22. Folly is a joy to him who lacks sense. I'm sorry, uh, verse, I was reading 21, verse 22. Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. Right, so we just see kind of as we walk through chapter 10, 11, 12, 13, 15, just this constant reminder that a wise person has many counselors um, and that the fool believes he has enough within himself and he runs ahead into, into folly, into foolishness, that we need people speaking into our life. And so a couple thoughts on this. Listen, um, who you are asking matters greatly. Who it is that you're seeking wisdom from. Listen to verse 20 of chapter 13. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Right? I think you can see no better um, example of this, of walking, whether it's with the wise or with fools, as a junior hire who's in a relationship. Right? And so a junior hire who's in a relationship, often who are they asking for help in their relationship? Other junior hires, right? And so they, they're, they're turning to the one who's made it a month in a sixth grade relationship or a seventh grade relationship like that they have accomplished something, right? Rather than looking to those older than them who have been in legitimate, healthy, long-term relationships like their parents, right, or their grandparents or an aunt and uncle, um, they turn to their peers. It's the, it's the epitome of foolishness, and, right? And verse 20 tells us, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, and the companions of fools will suffer harm, 
that we don't surround ourselves with people just like us, that we need people um, who are older, who are wiser, and we need people who have had success in decision-making. Um, a second thing is this, is not just who are we asking. Um, I, it is important to realize that just because someone is older does not mean um, that, that everything they're going to say is correct. It's not just age. If you look at Psalm 119, verse 99, I have more understanding than all of my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. Right? That is writing saying, listen, I, I can know more than my teachers. I can know more than the older if I'm continuing to turn to the wisdom of God, to Scripture, if I'm following and obeying that. So it's not saying that anyone who's older doesn't have wisdom, but we, we need to make sure we understand that not everyone who is older automatically has wisdom, right? That we want it to be driven by this desire to please, to honor, to be obedient, and to follow God. Um, and so who is it that we're turning to? Um, a third thing is, are you willing to be wounded? If we look at Proverbs 17.10, a rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. Right? This, this idea of, of just one word of correction can sink deep within a man, and yet you can beat a fool, and he won't get it. Right? Are, we willing, um, are we willing to be wounded? Proverbs 27, 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Right, this strange that, that a friend could wound us. Right? And yet when we know that when we're making decisions, sometimes we are not considering all the ramifications. We're not looking at everything. And do we have people in our life who are willing to say the hard thing, the thing that you don't want to hear, that they actually disagree with you, and they have reason for it? Right? That they're coming to you with Scripture. They're coming to you with truth. They're coming to you with wisdom. And they love you enough to say, I'm afraid that you're about to make a mistake in this decision. And so I'm saying something hard. Right? And, and instead of just having yes people around us, people that will only affirm us. Right? Are we willing to be wounded? To say, hey, your logic and the way you're considering this is faulty. That sign that you thought you saw that was from God seems to actually um, oppose Scripture here that are willing to help us dig into the heart of the matter as we're struggling potentially with the job change and going, hey, so, so what's really underneath that? And then what's underneath that? To realize all the things that need to be considered. Of Is, is there, if you're going to move communities, is there a, a healthy church for you to be a part of there? Um, because God is not going to move you someplace, right, if there's not a place for you to belong, right? Um, are, are you willing to consider the ramifications of, of all that's happening, right? And, and so, church, if you have been wounded by a friend, listen, a wound is painful regardless. But if they've been so wise and so gracious and so kind as to say those things, it is actually, Scripture would say, an act of love and of goodness. So, so maybe our response this morning needs to be this. So have we given per people permission? Right? We don't get to just walk around um, and, and throw out truth to everyone that we see um, in, in a manner that might scar or hurt them if there's no relationship. But we need to be actively engaged in walking with people that have permission, that maybe have even been given express permission from us. Listen, 
if, if I need to be wounded, I want, it, I want you to do it. I want you to say the hard thing. I want you to, to speak to me in a way that, that might wake me from my slumber, from the foolishness and the decisions that I'm making. Right? That, we're, that we're walking with people in a manner that it would not be unusual for us to be able to do that for them, for them to be able to do that with us. Proverbs 18, verses 1 and 2. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire, but he who breaks, he breaks out against all sound judgment. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Right? He's saying, listen, if we isolate ourselves, if we're living apart from community, that we're most likely going to end up being a fool, expressing only our own opinion, um, not, not listening to reason, not listening to sound judgment, but doing our own thing. And so as we invite people in and give them permission, um, church, we need to give them grace too because they're going to make mistakes sometimes and they're going to be wrong. Um, only, there's only one who has given no bad advice and no bad calls, and that's Jesus. That we are, we are fallen and we're going to make mistakes. But our, it was the intent, the motive, the heart of it, love and encouragement and support, or was it meant to just wound? Right? It's the difference from a wound from an enemy or a friend. Um, and then one other caveat here. Let's be really careful that we don't say, but God told me um, as, as a defense, as a shield against people speaking truth to us. Um, right? If, if, he is, if there is scripture that is spoken specifically to it, then yes, God has spoken in that way. But if it's because he is, you feel like he has said something unique to you, would we not use that as a shield to hold up and not allow wisdom and counsel from those around us who love us and who are friends? Um, church, would we not look to wound um, and to hurt, but to, to help people make decisions that are going to benefit them, they're going to have healthy um, impact in the future, and they're going to honor and please God. That we're not surrounding ourselves with people that simply are going to rubber stamp our decisions, or that we're going to ask God to bless what we're already going to do, <laughs> but they're willing to ask and to wait and to listen and to hear, to be corrected that we need humility in our decision-makings. So church, take a deep breath. Proverbs 16, 9. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Take a deep breath, right? We can plan, but the Lord establishes. Here's what it means. Um, he is not throwing his hands up in exasperation. Right? He is not foiled by you. He's not backed into a corner. He's not going, oh, well, there's nothing I can do now. God's plans are not thwarted. Listen to, to Job 42, 2. I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Right? Like that God is not... Um, wringing his hands in fear that you're going to make such wrong decisions that he's never going to be able to deal with you. His plans are not thwarted. He is good and he is sovereign. And so we can take heart in that and we can breathe easy and we can move forward. And when we hear, respond, and trust a familiar passage in Proverbs, maybe a little bit differently this morning. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. 
Turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. That we would understand that we are not intrinsically wise within ourselves, that we need the wisdom of God. That we live in a broken world that's going to look to distract us from truth. And yet that God has given us the embodiment of wisdom in Jesus. He's given us his word. He has given us his spirit. And he's given us permission to ask for it in our decision making. Um, that we can't back him into a corner. That, we can, that he's going to work and move for our good, for his glory. So church, let's love God. Let's love our neighbors. Let's strive to be holy, obedient people. Um, Let's pursue wisdom in Jesus, and let's make decisions that would honor him in community, Um, knowing that we're going to need help, and we're going to fail, and then next time we're going to try again, Um, but that we would not be paralyzed in our decision-making. Let's pray. Father, you are merciful to us. You are gracious to us. God, we're asking for wisdom. We're asking for wisdom for us as individuals. We're asking for wisdom for our families. We are asking for wisdom um, for this church family. God, we need you. Um, Would we not be a people who are paralyzed and afraid to act? Would we not be a people who recklessly run ahead hoping that you'll um, fix it all and make it all right, but that we would pursue um, truth in you? We would pursue wisdom in you. God, that we would know that even if plans fail, it doesn't mean we made the wrong decision, but maybe that you're just shaping and working something in us. God, so whether um, church plants um, succeed or fail, whether our job leads to promotion or to a layoff, God, whether we live in this community or that community, God, whether we have many friends or few friends, God, that, that you are working to shape us into the image of Jesus, that you are bringing health and good and sanctification in all of it. Father, would we not be afraid of decisions, but would we trust and treasure you and want to honor you in our decisions? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.